Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Bombograph podcast with your host again Neil Dunworth and as always I'm joined by Paddy Kelly from the Munster Lions Supporters Club. We're coming to you after the Everton game in which was a high of ecstasy and then thrown into a low of despair after Theo Walcott of all people who has a sporting a lovely new haircut of lovely long dashing locks but unfortunately it was the cushion of those locks that allowed him to gently place a ball over Pepe Reina and even to the detriment of Ezri Kanza, who I don't agree with when people say he should have done more to clear the ball off the line. Um, he did his best and, and he, he just didn't get the connection on it. But end of the story is it was a one-all deflating draw against Everton, considering we we basically owned the game. We're going to come to you and talk to you a small bit about that. Um, as you may know from listening to this podcast, it's not going to be all doom and gloom, but I'm not going to try and let it be doom and gloom anyway. We're going to talk to you about some of the stats, some of the really interesting stats uh, that we that I've seen in that game tonight. But um, before we do all that, Paddy, how was your experience on the fan wall? As Paddy needs is going to have to get royalties of Aston Villa soon uh, if he keeps appearing on TV. But he was on the fan wall again. That's your third time, Paddy, is it? That's the third time, yeah. I was flying solo because my... Uh... My son was on holidays in Mayo yesterday, so uh, I had to go alone. And uh, I've decided that's my last one anyway after listening to 90 minutes of Jim Beglin again. So um, he, he happened to announce with 10 minutes to go that he'd be at Villa Park on Tuesday. And I went, well, I certainly am not. Because <laughs> that, that's, that's the negative part of it. You don't get to the Sky Sports commentary, so you don't listen to what everybody else is listening to. So, um, yeah, made a decision that that's the end of it last night. That's the end of that. Yeah, do I don't. Know? I don't even know where it goes. No, I've I've had a couple of messages of people saying they 
they they saw me at the weekend when we won, but uh, I don't know yeah. what they're what they're with the footage because they they don't put it up like they did in the first few games. So uh, um, I know there was when we scored at the weekend against Palace. There was yeah, open it was up on the screen, but. Anyway, that's me done. <laughs> time to con- concentrate on either celebrating or uh, uh, drowning my sorrows on Tuesday because yeah. you're not allowed to drink when you're on the fan wall either. <laughs> so you're retiring. So you've heard it here first, everybody. Paddy's retiring from the fan wall. For this, for this year anyway, we'll see. Um, he's boycotting J- Jim Beglin uh, <laughs> from what I got from that. Um, let's see what Jim Beglin's response is to that. He's probably going to slam you in the newspapers tomorrow or something along those lines. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we we watched a, a a very encouraging performance from Aston Villa against Everton, uh, following on from their win at the weekend against Crystal Palace. Um, I don't know about you, Paddy, but my initial feelings on the game are that we have well since since lockdown. Realistically, we've got a really good structure to this team. Yes, it isn't clicking all in all cylinders going forward. It's beginning to know. The game against uh, Crystal Palace, we showed in attacking intent. It looked like players were were more comfortable in this defensive structure that, that, that Dean Smith has has uh, has initiated, and that's something I'm going to talk about. Uh, and I, I'm doing a bit of a study on it myself, and there's some intriguing kind of results as to the positioning of central midfielders. Something I've alluded to in the podcast previously, and um, the positioning of central midfielders is pivotal to this to to this system, and, and it's proving to be be really effective in in making us harder to break down save for the uh, the Man United game, which kind of got out of hand after after that that uh, that VAR decision that maybe shouldn't yeah. have been. But I think my initial feelings on it were that we we dictated the pace of this game. Our midfield looked looked superior uh, for much, much, much of this game. Um I thought we lacked a bit. We went back to lacking a bit in the wings. Um Samata got around a bit. Thought he got down the side of players but just didn't really do do that much again. Um, our centre halves, our our uh, fullbacks were really really good, and I thought Reina was was actually very imposing. Um, in goal, even for mm-hmm. that goal, I don't think there's much that he could do. I just think that that was just one of those loopy headers, hope kind of type headers that Walcott uh, made, and 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 it ended up going on target. But all in all, I was really encouraged by the by the performance in that game. Uh, it's kind of a bittersweet one because I'm kind of looking at it and going, if we had one more game in us. Like if we had that Newcastle game back again, I think that there would be no shadow of doubt that we would be we would not be getting relegated in the form that we're playing in at the moment. I think we'd win that Newcastle game. I think we'd want to win it one of the last two games that we have. But that's the way the cookie crumbles, and we've got two games, and we're three points behind, and have worse goal difference, and we really need to kind of roll up the sleeves and at least get a point out of Arsenal, and then see what the future holds. On last day of the season against West Ham, but what are your feelings on it, on it, Paddy? What did you take from the game? Am I being too, too nice to the team? Am I being too optimistic for stuff like that? No, I think I think what you said is fair enough. Um, I said to you when we previewed this one that when Neil Taylor went off in the Crystal Palace game, we inadvertently ended up with our best team. Um. And we started with our with our best team yesterday. Um, my opinion, and I've said it all along, is that when you have players on the pitch that are not in, in for a fight, it's going to cost you points. If Trezeguet is in that position, that um, 
El Ghazi. El Ghazi finds himself in. He is going to force the player to put that ball in the back of the net. Keenan El Ghazi. Keenan Davis. There's, there's, of all the people you wanted in that position, and for the life of me, to lie in the net holding your balls when nobody has touched you is beyond me. Um, he may well sit on the pitch at the end of the game and hold his head down. He's dead right to hold his head down because not only did he miss that shot in the lead up to the goal, he was ball watching as well. He, yeah. he was literally standing outside the box watching the ball when the ball had gone down his flank. He has no fight at all in him and he has no business being anywhere near that team when we need fighters. Like this guy has gone off with tippy-tappy injuries as I call them. There, you know, the, in, in the past, you know, when, when you can see he's not up for the game, he gets a yeah. tough tackle and all, all of a sudden he's gone off. Against Southampton, like, wasn't it? He, against yeah. Southampton, uh, he said that he was elbowed in the head and was holding his nose. Then, like, that was, what was that? Let's just look at it there. That was eight days before we played um, Man City in the, the cup final. No, it wasn't. It was, it was six days before we played Man City in the cup final. Mm. Um, seven days actually, sorry. And he went off and he, he like as if he could barely stand, like looked like he was the, the body language as if he'd been that completely knocked unconscious for a couple of moments. Um, obviously, display trying to display concussion symptoms, he may have had it absolutely no problem, like no problem with that. People were saying afterwards, did he break his nose or whatever? He clearly didn't break his nose, um, or whatever the situation is there. He was resting himself, we were 2 0 down at that stage, and he was resting himself for the Man City game. Um, and that was what was in his mind. It had to have been. There was no other rational excuse for it. Um, El Ghazi has, like, and he had been putting up his socks. He had been playing a bit better recently. He had been a bit more disciplined because I've been very vocal in my, my kind of, uh, my discussions with him to say that he, he has no positional discipline whatsoever. He thinks he's Ronaldo, but he plays like, um, he doesn't play anywhere near like Ronaldo. He's got the build and he's got the, you know, the stature and, and probably the same physical physical makeup yeah. as him, but he just doesn't have that ability to play. And he, we don't have, we can't carry a passenger who thinks he's Ronaldo at 25 years of age when he doesn't, he has, he has no reason to, 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 to think that as well. Um, put it that way, look, if that ball comes into Ronaldo, Ronaldo basically like, Chests it into the net. He does whatever. He puts his foot through it. He doesn't try and tap it into the net. He makes sure yeah, it's a sure look, goes I, in. When the match finished this evening, I went and played five side, as you know. And a 40, well, seven side, as it turned out. But a 45-year-old man <laughs> found himself in a similar position as El Ghazi. And he horsed straight into it, ball into the back of the net. Him, ball, defender, everything. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you want. Not, not on a, a Thursday night in a, in a kick around. You want it in the Premier League. You don't want people pulling out of challenges, which he did. He took his eye off the ball because he was afraid of which angle he was going to get hit. And he yeah. didn't get hit at all. No. And then he lies, he lies in, the, in the back of the net holding his balls and you're just like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm, yeah. I was just flabbergasted. Of all the goalkeepers as well, Jordan Pickford ain't going to take you out. Jordan Pickford is no, as much not. of a wishy-washy per, you know, player as, as as you are. So, you know, and to be honest with you, whenever I'm... I'm only five foot nine. I normally would play. I used to play central midfield. I used to play up striker as well when I played. But the one thing I used to love is if I had an opportunity to crease the goalkeeper, I was creasing the goalkeeper at a corner. Absolutely. And if I gave yeah. away a free, what about it? But if there was a cross coming in like that and I had an opportunity 
to maybe stick the knees up a small bit higher than I possibly could when I, when I was jumping in the air. Same as when I played centre midfield, if I was marking a taller man and there was an opportunity for a header. If I brought my knees up and they hit him in the small of the back then, and the ref didn't give a free, I was absolutely delighted. You know, you have to take those opportunities to crease yeah. a goalkeeper too. Plus, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Jordan Pickford was displaying some sort of an injury in the warm up as well, and uh, you know exactly. And we didn't trouble him for most of the game. You know, yeah. Um, haven't like even the the Calvert Lewin chance came down his side as well. Yeah, you know. So you you got to ask questions. You know, as I said, I, I I can nearly word for word tell you that when we came back, I quoted him talking about his uh, his body fat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I said to you, this isn't about your body fat, it's about the size of your heart. And yeah. last night he showed us he's no heart for that fight. You need to be as brave as a lion at this stage of the season. And look, we could go but we could go on about the stupid, ridiculous VAR decisions all year. Yeah. But this this time next Sunday, when when the West Ham game is over, this could be the one we're looking at going, that's where we that's where we were relegated. And all because he pulled out. It was two yards out from goal. There's no excuse for it whatsoever. Absolutely yeah. none. Yeah, and as I, I put, I put up a crass tweet when it happened. I goes, even if it had hit his tits, it would have gone in. And that was, look, I'll be honest with you, that that was very childish kind of a reference to the body fat piece. Um, yeah. he did say, and I'm no one to talk about that because if I was at the back post, it may very well have hit me in the, in the tits. So, yeah. um, and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to go on about him all the time. But you, you look around the pitch. We, we'd warriors on the pitch. Jack was getting stuck in. Connor was getting stuck in. Douglas Luiz was fantastic. McGinn looked nearly back to himself. The games have helped him, obviously. Yeah. Um, Trezeguet did okay. Huffed and puffed, but at least he was trying hard. The, the back four, as you said, very well laid out. And, and the only trouble came was when he came on. That Calvert-Lewin chance came. The goal came. And, and of course... The miss is the is is like that goal doesn't matter if that miss goes in because I don't care mm-hmm. if it's two one or two nil. A win is what we needed last night, and we were that close to it. Apart from apart from what happened in the last ten minutes, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and like that's that really really the the miss and the goal, which are two huge points. And I know I can't say it, they were the only kind of negatives that we can take from the play, but it actually was like the way this team was set up. Pepe Reina look great in goals like there was some crosses he was coming out for crosses there in fields of people he was catching the ball and he was he was coming out to the edge of his area he looked like Pepe Reina of Liverpool of the Liverpool era he really did I love that that when when he 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 catches the ball he comes straight out to the edge of his area looking to try and roll it off to somebody and get yeah. the attack on quickly the distribution is fantastic and it's quick it, on the counter it is and I, the reference he chooses you, the battle too that's exactly he's not, it not exactly flying out when we're one nil up he knows He's clever enough to hold onto the ball. He's diving on it. So he's, you know, he's a Camelon influence there. And I questioned whether we should drop Nyland. And of course, I was probably vindic- he was probably vindicated in picking Reina because he has looked very composed. And we, we look a whole lot confident and better at the back with him there. Yeah, and... and- the I know you weren't watching the Sky coverage, but Sky coverage made a made a great point, and and I literally I turned around and you know what I might as well have said it to the dog, but I turned around to to my significant daughter and she was I, I'm not going to say she was watching the game, she was putting up with me watching the game on the TV, 
And uh, I said to her, I said, look at this, watch this. And I rewinded it back and I said, look at the way he's, what way would you think he should be kicking the ball out? And she goes, oh, I think he should be kicking it straight down the field as long as he can. And I said, well, watch what he does. And he was pinpointing it to the, to the sideline to make the fullback um, challenge for it in the air so that when, yeah. the, when the header comes, it comes back in field and it draws a midfielder out, out of position. That is, you know, that's 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 a really like if you can pull that tactic off, it's really good because it, it commits players over all the way over to one side of yeah. the field, and it commits players to, to two or three players to try and get around one of your players, uh, you know, at one side of the field. So what it does, it opens up. So if you get your head on that and it falls to one of our players in the middle of midfield, the break is on. The break is really on. Now, is it risky? The only real risk you have is if it doesn't work, it goes out over the line and it's a throw in. As long as you're not doing it 20 yards or 30 yards out from your goal, I think it's okay. If you're doing it halfway line or further up, it really, really, it, it, it can work. Um, yeah. and, and, and the Sky, Sky guys actually mentioned that. They said that he's targeting out uh, El Mahamedy, who we know is good in the air, against Dina, yeah. and El Mahamedy was winning more than often in those, in those situations. Yeah. It's, there's, there's these little changes that Dean Smith will never get credit for. Will never, ever get credit for because people will look at it and they go, Oh, we had less touches. We had less passes. Oh, we had less. We had less possession. Oh, we lost the game. I don't care mm-hmm. what changes he made. We lost the game, and that's really unfair in the manager because people clamour for you know we needed to stop conceding goals. We just needed to after the lockdown, and we've we've stopped mm-hmm. we conceding have, goals yeah. at the rate, and we've stopped conceding shots at the rate that we did as well because we were conceding nearly twenty shots a game beforehand. Mm-hmm. Last night we only conceded nine against uh, against Crystal Palace. We only conceded I think it was six. You know, so we're we're not conceding shots anymore, and that's down to the positioning of our central midfielders and um and and what that allows us to do and to be more resolute. Um, and if we if we stay up and we can get uh add quality into this to this side, so that we can maybe fall, uh, we can maybe take advantage of the five subs rule that's going to come in that sort of won't <laughs> screw us yeah. over like it has so much. Um, you know, that's going to be something as well, but. Yeah, it's it's there's there is you can look at the table all you want and, and say look we're we're three points off and we've got two games and we'll never win. There's so much defeatism, absolutely so much defeatism. Look, okay, if you've come to terms, and I'm saying this to the greater population, not to you, Paddy. If you've come to terms with us being relegated, that's fine. Scroll past somebody being optimistic. Don't shit down on top of our conflicts <laughs> just because you feel yeah. like you need to be right. If you've come to terms with us getting relegated, that's fine. It, you don't be the kid that turns around and and uh, ruins somebody else's day, all right? And that's fine, you know. <laughs> I was going to say something else there, but I don't know the age group of our of our listeners, and I don't want to burst any bubbles. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, so like there, it's it's we we can still stay up, you know. We absolutely can. It's it's still mathematically possible. Like I, I was talking to you beforehand. You've got to believe and you've got to dream as long as it's mathematically possible. It is out of our hands in that the worst possible thing that can happen tonight is a draw, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> because that, that means we have to go and beat Arsenal. So we get a draw at Arsenal. Uh, I think we have to go and beat Arsenal anyway. Mm. But that's besides the point because it's going to be tough. It's got, it's going, it's like, we need snookers now to get out of this. And um, by snookers, I, me personally, I want West Ham to win tonight. Yeah. That's um, smart. I think that, I think that gives us the better uh, run in, in that 
Watford will then have to play Man City and Arsenal. Not that they wouldn't turn over either of them who at either state, Man City, as they proved against Bournemouth, were only going through the motions when they could have won by seven, eight or nine goals and they mm-hmm. didn't. The same, the same will happen. They'll get ahead. They'll stroke the ball around and, and they'll, they'll lose a bit of interest. Um, and then Arsenal, by that stage, will probably have no hope of Europe when they play Watford. Who knows? They bring in kids and that fucks us up. And it could very easily happen. And if it does go the other way, um, West Ham have to play Man U and then us. As long as it's not a draw, I think there's still a little bit of optimism there. But I think a draw could kill us because we've then got a cup final that we can't afford to lose we, or can't afford to even draw on Tuesday night. We have to win if it's a draw tonight. So for that reason, I'm going to go for a meal tonight. I'm not even going to watch it because... I've had enough of off days where Villa weren't even playing and I was pissed off going to bed. Yeah. So, um, I'm, ju- I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm deflated and I'm deflated because I could see it coming. I could see it coming with Al-Ghazi. I have very little faith in him and I don't mean to be picking on him, but it, without him coming on last night, I think we're in a different position. And I didn't think the substitution was necessary. Now, me and you are both big fans of Dean Smith. I don't see why he had to come on last night. That's just my opinion. Mm. There's other things that could have been done, but I don't see why it was him, why he came on last night, because he hasn't got the stomach for this fight. Um, we're, we're not going to see him on Tuesday. We're not going to see him next Sunday, because if we are, that that'll be the rock that Dean Smith perishes on, because he, he's literally done nothing. He stoops his head there, heads the ball in last night. He's as much of a hero as he was in the playoff final last year, but he just doesn't do it. He's afraid of his life. I was thinking back, actually, to that playoff final goal. In, in this day and age, it would have been disallowed to hit him in the shoulder, didn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh. and, and on to Arsenal next Tuesday. And I know we've got a long time. We'll probably come back and we'll do one before that. But like looking at the league table... There's two ways of thinking about thinking of this about Arsenal, like that. That Arsenal are three points behind sixth, behind Wolves and sixth. Um, realistically, Arsenal's chances of getting getting into Europe are as slim as our chances of getting out of relegation. Um, goal difference. Goal difference. Three points if, behind if, Wolves. Three points behind win. Wolves and goal and and worse off goals. Wolves, uh, Wolves have a fixture have a fixture list of um, Crystal Palace and Chelsea. Basically, Wolves win against Crystal Palace, uh, and they're more or less home and holes provided that Arsenal don't absolutely spank us. I think I think our, our best hope with Arsenal is they turn over Man City tomorrow night in the FA Cup. I think that I think that can only be good for us to take them their eye off the ball, because while they won't get into the Europe. By through the league by winning the FA Cup now might be their best chance the only problem with them taking their eye off the ball is they've got to play Watford next week <laughs> so there's a, there's a load of combinations and permutations that could go against us but uh, it's 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 now become I think I saw you quote somewhere shit I'll get off the pot yeah if we if we if we'd have won last night we wouldn't have really had to worry about Tuesday night it would have been a free hit to do our best. Yeah. But now now we're in a position that 
we 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 go and win it or or bust. The amount of and I know, look, you can sit. We can sit here and lament bad luck, but Jesus me, think about the things that went against us at certain times. Even even like at the weekend, Tridini's two two penalties. You know, those changing oh, the game if they had drawn that game as opposed to losing it. Anyway, look, we're not going to get into that because that's very much a kind of a feeling sorry for ourselves, and we're not about that on this podcast. We're about optimism, absolutely about optimism. Once again. I don't care if we beat Arsenal, if the ball goes in off Keenan Davis's arse. I don't care how we beat Arsenal. As long as um, what we've got Watford and West Ham, um, Watford need to... Uh, I'm looking for a West Ham win. And uh, then we can hopefully get something. If we go to Arsenal and get a point and then go to West Ham last day of the season and we're only two points off Watford, whereas Watford have to go to Arsenal and we go to West Ham and somehow yeah. we, get, we get a win out of West Ham we stay up by a point. There's lots of permutations. We're still in this. At some stage, we were going to need to get a point off somebody anyway. It's just I didn't. I would have preferred it to have been Arsenal and three points against Everton than to have been one yeah. point against Everton and maybe one point against Arsenal. But look, that point is still one point closer to safety. And I know we're not. We're, we're kind of being very dismissive of Bournemouth at the moment. But I don't think that. I. I, I just. I. Even if Bournemouth do get out of it somehow, somehow or another. Um, and they've got Southampton and Everton next, so they, they could yeah. actually get out of it. I still think it will come down to ourselves and Watford or, um, for that. that uh, I still think it will come down to ourselves and Watford at some stage for something. So like we've we got to scrape and claw yeah. for everything that we have. Um, yeah. And you're, you're, right, you're right in mentioning that Bournemouth aren't out of it. Um, albeit Southampton is a derby match and they will just love to turn the screw there and effectively relegate them by beating them. So... You know, I've I've kind of ruled them out on that premise, but you know they're not out of it. <laughs> you know, no. Um, we could be looking back next Sunday and 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 seeing ourselves in Bournemouth safe. It is a possibility. Um, if it's a draw tonight, it's definitely a possibility. So, look, it is what it is. Um, you know, the, I think the best we can hope for is for uh, West Ham to win because surely because of the the goal difference as well. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to claw back that that West Ham goal difference. We've some chance, albeit slim. Hopefully, West Ham go out and spank Watford tonight, which is make it a whole lot easier. But uh, hopefully, it won't come down to to goal difference. But look, we could be we could be in a situation where we beat Arsenal and and, and we're out of the bottom three on Tuesday, yeah. Christ, depending on what way the goal difference. But it's 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 unlikely. But. All, all we can do is hope, is hope. And as everyone keeps saying, it's the hope that's killing us. <laughs> it's unlike, so I, yeah, don't, it, I, I don't fear, I don't fear relegation at all. No. What I do fear is they decide to give financial fucking fair play, which doesn't exist for the big clubs. They, try, they decide to give it a year off and where are we? We're stuck in the championship while all around us spend all around them and the rich get richer, the poor get poorer and the whole rebuild starts again. And that, that's the number one reason why I want us to stay up above everything else because of all the years to go down. Yeah. I know, I know we will have the, the parachute payments and what have you, but it's still it's not enough when they can openly invest money into the club that's exactly. not in there. And, and you're, I think, I think, you're right with that concern as well because Christian Perslow even said, he said like, there's a lot made of the 140 million that was spent. Transfer fees are not the outlay problem. 
most clubs can afford transfer fees in the Premier League. It's the wages for players. And your sustainability model isn't about going away and blowing 60, 70 million on players. That's a one-off payment and it can be depreciated. Uh, what is it called? Amortization or something like that over the course of somebody's contract in the, yeah. in, in the financial statements. Wages are what kill you. So what he was saying is that teams like Bournemouth, teams like Watford, teams like Crystal Palace, they could pay huge wages if they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, like they can't, well, they, they can't play it because they've, they've got a, a lesser uh, income stream because they've got smaller stadiums. But if a team like yeah. Villa was to reestablish themselves for a three-year period and we were to get our like 45, we were to get full houses for all our home games, the world is our oyster. We could, we could spend what we want basically in the Premier League. And that's what he was getting at. So a lot of this, and it's so, so simple. And I'm going to go a small tangent on a tangent here as well because you still hear the shite about, look how much Villa have spent, uh, what their net spend is, their net spend and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it matters shit all because it's covered by TV money in the majority. It's the mm. wages that matter. And it's wages, the stability yeah. that matters from that point of view. But if we got down... Years previous. We're, look, we're looking at, we're, we're going to have to sign young or sign older journeymen. You know, I'm not going to put names on the older journeymen, but you know who I'm talking about. We released a few of them last season. Um, that's what's going to get us back up. And, and there's, no, there's no longevity in that. Whereas we stay up, we're buying players on three, four, five-year contracts. We're keeping them. We're re-signing Jack. We're re-signing John McGinn. We're giving them improved contracts. Um, I don't believe that if we stay up, we're going to be in this position, position next season. Um, especially when there's money, we do have money there to spend. Our owners have money um, to the extent that we're, what, we're second or third in, in what they're worth in, in, in Premier League football. So, I, you know, it, it will show um, what they're made of when we, if we go down. You know, that's my worry. Do they lose faith? Do they stick with the project? You know, this this is just me having gone through the heartache of Randy Lerner and Dr. Tony and I'm worrying about money as usual. But um, these guys are used to, the you know, they've turned Milwaukee Bucks into mm-hmm. a very valuable franchise. Yeah. While, while we go down, is, is the heart there for that fight as well? So I think it is. I, think, I, ho- I, think, I, ho- I like the hope it is, but I think they're, you, they're you never f- know. Yeah, look, I, I think the whole is the heart, the, you know, that kind of stuff. That's that's what I'm expecting to see the sun in the start of print and everything like that and start questioning mm-hmm. owners and then fans reading it and going, oh, I don't think our owners are there. And then inevitably, like all, like like we've done with a lot of things is more or less then question their viability and then more or less try and get them to sell up. <laughs> that shouldn't yeah. happen with this crew. This crew are, are, are seasoned businessmen. It's not a travel. Uh, uh, it's not like for good and all is, as, as Doug Ellis and I don't want to besmirch somebody who's now passed away, but um, Doug Ellis was a travel agent, essentially, and uh, he had money at some state. He had money in the, in the 70s, 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s. His, his fortune never progressed with what was needed to run a, a Premier League team, but he kept mm-hmm. us viable. He kept us, he kept us mid-table and, and so on for what, what he could do. We then were sold yeah. on to a billionaire who lost the love for the club. He wasn't even a businessman. He was running off daddy's money. And once again, not to be smart Randy Lerner, but he was. And then his wife took half of that. And then we had a fraudulent uh, Chinese businessman who basically wasn't able to provide his payslip because the, ta- the Chinese tax authorities had him locked down and he basically, and, and he brought in Keith Wynas and the two of them were as dodgy as each other. So like now we've actually got two viable businessmen. We've got one of the richest men in, in Africa who 
own shares in Adidas. And to be honest with you, I think somebody who built his own his own uh, fortune up that up, up that way is going to know a thing or two about financial yeah. uh, about financial. Well, structures. The, only, the only thing that, that gives me a, a little bit of hope is that if we go down, we do have those balloon payments, which should keep the interest there, because there is a possibility of coming back with that money. Um, so fingers crossed that they see it the same way as me and we push it on from here. Next question for you, I suppose, and that one, Paddy, is, and we would be probably, well, there's no probably, we would be doing tons of um, of podcasts on this, I suppose, and looking back at the team where places need to be changed and so on like that. But let's just say I hand you in the morning a list and you have to sell one of these three players. You have to sell Jack Grealish, you have to sell John McGinn, or you have to sell Tyrone Mings. Tyrone Mings. Yeah. Don't you think I did, I, I'm the exact same. I think I think he's exceedingly replaceable in this team. As the year has gone on, yeah. he's become... Yeah, you actually did that list, and, and <laughs> I, I didn't know whether you were going to say Tyrone Mings or someone else, but I knew that the, I knew that the third answer when you said the first two was going to be my answer. Yeah. But uh, he's replaceable. Um, I actually think he could be left out of the team if we've got all our defence fit and you may not notice a difference. Um, I think, personally, if we go down, he'll be gone anyway. Yeah, I think um, he will. I think he, Arsenal are calling, calling for him because Arteta has yeah. even said twice in interviews that he wants a left-sided centre-half. And I think he... Look, this isn't to say that Tyrone Mings is a bad defender. He's absolutely not. I just feel that if we no, go no. down and it's a case of hold on to the two boys or get rid of him, yeah. I think that the two boys are way more pivotal to our style of play than Tyrone Mings. And I think that Courtney House could come in alongside Kansa yeah. and we could have... You know, I don't think know. there's any point in having a £25 million striker or defender in the championship. But even if we stay up and you gave me that option, I'd still sell him. That's just my opinion. And realistically, if we go down, we'd probably have to sell too. So that, that will be Jack for the, the monetary value and, and Tyrone Mings because he wants to play the Premier League. I do believe that uh, John McGinn will stick with us given, given the choice whether that's taken over his hands by a ridiculous offer, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I do I don't believe... Think people, I don't people think people see it in him as much as we do either. Like, I, 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 I think he'd absolutely... He's another guy who'd be made for the Liverpool team or made for the Arsenal team. I think just mm-hmm. the way that they play it, or high pre- Liverpool's high-pressing um, and the oh, fact that he wouldn't... Yeah. yeah, I'd like... But I just don't... I don't think other teams see it. I don't think other, other teams' fans... Well, I hope they don't. don't. See we see <laughs> Hmm? I hope they don't. Um, yeah. I was lucky. I was lucky enough to spend mostly talking about Celtic and Rangers uh, in the five minutes I spent in John McGinn's company at the start of the season, and you just get the impression that this guy is the loveliest fella mm. you could ever speak to, and that's that's just what I get from him. And you know, the the very final bit of the com like we, Celtic were playing Rangers the next day, and I just happened to give a throwaway comment about it. You're watching the match tomorrow or whatever, and he was going, Oh, yeah, yeah, what do you think? Will you be watching yourself? And uh, the conversation went on, and, and I said, How are you enjoying it here? He goes, I absolutely adore the place, I love it. And I was just mm. taken back, you know, you normally you get a mediocre answer, and I was just making conversation, but there was absolute love there. You could see his eyes started twinkling, and he said, The fans are great, the players are great. The staff are great. The training facilities are great, and I was like, "Wow!" We okay. Remember, he came from from Hibs, like he came from Easter Road and the Hibs were. Oh, yeah. Well, 
He would have he would have trained with Scotland too I as well in, yeah. in the facilities they have, yeah, you know. He would have been and, in Parkhead and he would have been in Ibrox and yeah. seen big massive he would have seen everything, yeah. 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 But, but I just um, I suppose just, just as well, just to kind of clarify as well, we're not shitting at top of Taiwan rings. It's just if you no, have, we're not, if you, no, if you have just a shopping given the list, choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you've to balance I, the books think, at the end of the season. Yeah, I think if like realistically, we won't be selling Tyrone Mings for any less than what we paid for him. So there was that reports. completely that completely rebuilds a, a championship team nearly when there, you think about it. There was a report this morning, that's why I brought it up. There was a report this morning said that Villa have set an asking price of thirty million plus for him. Yeah. Um that that wouldn't surprise me. because they can't afford to lose money on him. No, oh no, and nor will they. He's an England cap now, so basically, like, you know, if if like, and there are players like Adam Webster. Didn't he go for something like twenty-two million? Did he? Was he sold? Yeah. I think there was there was there was, there was stuff like that. Ben Gibson, when he went down with um with, with Middlesbrough, I think he was sold yeah. for some 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 big money too. Mikey, there's uh, also there's a, a trainer thought that will tell me that if we're serious, you know, do we push the boat out and try and keep these players? I honestly can't see us keeping Jack because of what the value is, their potential value. And if there's no financial fair play, he will, you will put another, I don't know, 15, 20 million on top of what was already being quoted because it will get into a bidding war because they can actually spend what they like. So um, with the exception of him, they probably don't need to sell Mings. I think he would, if, if, if his England future was guaranteed, he might actually stay, but I can't imagine he's going to get into the England team playing in the championship. And for that reason, I think he'll go. I don't think John McGinn would have the same problem with Scotland. He's the best player they have. So he was the best player they had when he was in the championship as well. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually an interesting point. point. So, like, a lot of these players move on when they're relegated, not because. They like a lot of them will say, "Oh, I wanted to play Premier League football," and, and like you're kind of going, "Yeah, but you moved to somebody who's going to finish tenth. Like you moved to a Stoke who are never going to get into the in, into the top half." You know, there's there's been instances yeah. like that, and it's not because of that. It's because they may have been in England international, and they need the image right, like the image rights, uh, the image money and the money that you get from all that kind of stuff about having an England cap to your name and playing in the Premier League. You don't want to be forgotten for those advertisement contracts and those those uh, ambassador brand contracts and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas if you go to the Championship, and that's that's a huge chunk of change for them. They might still be getting paid 40, 40 grand a week, but they might, they might be pulling in an extra 500,000 a year from doing appearances and, and being a brand ambassador for something. So like, yeah. it's a nice chunk know. of change yeah. to, to look at. That's, that's what a lot of it is because yeah. And, and uh, that's, that's the difference. Like you're going to get money for Jack and it's going to be all, it's all going to be all profit. And, and the thing about Jack is, I think unless he goes to a Liverpool, Man United, Man City, and let's be honest, he may not be a, a week in, week in, start, week in, week out starter there. Um, that is the only move that's going to get him in the cap at this stage. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe a Barcelona or Real Madrid, I don't know. Like, but he could say to himself, I'm here at the club I love. Why not give it one more season? And then if that doesn't work out, you know, I'll hold my hands up and move on. Um, and he may he may stick it out, but look, we're talking about if buts and maybe's. We 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 could be still a Premier League team after Sunday week, so yeah. fingers crossed. And we'll exactly, just, we'll just hope that we put in the fight that that, that gives us a fighting chance at the end of it. 
that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we'll 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 come back, I suppose, when the dust settles and all this, and we will have a chat about the about the yeah. team where we see changes to be made and and so on and so forth because it's going to be pretty rip roaring after this. Like when the when the league is over on the twenty, what is it, the twenty sixth? Once the league is over, there we are looking at less than five weeks before the uh, or uh, seven weeks, sorry, before the the season starts again. So. There's yeah. going to be like two weeks of off time or three weeks of off time, and then and then teams are going to be back in a pre-season again straight away. Oh, yeah, and yeah. the British uh, government have just announced there. I think uh, government has announced the spectators could be allowed back in stadiums from October, subject to successful trial events. So uh, the government are, are looking to push this, push through uh, spectators back again. So going back yeah. to transfer fees and so on, a lot of player, a lot of people are, are worried the transfer fees will diminish because of the COVID outbreak. But if the spectators getting back into the stadiums again in October, you'll see those those uh, those numbers go up and up again. So what was thirty million for for Mings could be thirty eight million or go a rising yeah. to forty million with appearance fees and stuff like that. So that's all part of the parcel as well. We get into the finances and so on and, and bits and pieces like that as um as the as the weeks and months go on but as of now we're a premier league team we could be still premier league team come tuesday and god willing we absolutely will go out and for once uh go out and 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 take one of the top the traditional top six or top four whatever way you want to call it teams to task and uh actually basically you know pull up our own trousers for once and uh and show what we're made of so um guys that's uh that's going to wrap it up for today uh, there is still hope and optimism. There's a lot of permutations that we'll see us get out of this mess. Um, and if there's a draw, if it's if it's a West Ham win, there's even more permutations that we'll see us uh, get out of this mess. Uh, I, for one, am going to be glued to the to the TV tonight to watch um, <laughs> to watch this this game. And uh, I think that it's you know it's it, it's going to be pivotal in our season. Hopefully, there aren't any more uh, penalties. Uh, Coming towards uh, for for Watford because Watford. Two, hopefully they've used up all their penalty um, quota in the last game that they have. But uh, we might come back. I, I I don't know. Time dependent. I'm um, pretty snowed under and work at the moment. But time dependent, we might come back uh, with something before the game on Tuesday. But if not, guys, keep the faith. Um, if you see somebody being optimistic, scroll on past it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with being a happy, clappy guy. Uh, you may call, you may want to call somebody deluded because that's the way you get your kicks. But you know, just scroll past it. It's a lot easier. I do it with a lot of you guys too. It's fine. Um, anyway, you can catch Paddy on at, at Villa Paddy on Twitter. You can catch me on at Love McGrath Pod. And uh, you know, please share out the podcast to everybody. Um, we'd absolutely love if you could do that and you could help us grow our listenership. But uh, yeah, as I say, we're a Premier League team. As of the moment, it is still all to play for. And um, here's to a great day and a great, another great result on Tuesday. Up the villa. Up the villa.
Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.